today. I'm here to give you the assurance that I have not forgotten you. If we want to see the new evangelization become more than just jargon, if we want to see it grow legs and gain traction and change the world, we have got to take seriously our responsibilities as husbands and fathers and especially as sons of God. I want to propose to you then that something that our world is desperately in need of in the midst of this crisis is Catholic Christian masculinity. If you want to be a good father, then bring your children to confession with you. I can't get there unless I become a man of ascesis, a man of asceticism, a man of training. A man not doing penance, a man not disciplined, is not a man. You guys have upped your game. You know what, guys, I gotta say, I, I love this the concept of man show. Warning, the Catholic Man Show is about to begin. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side, so raise your glass. Hey, I'm trying to get you to move your chair for a second so I can pull this forward. There we go. Now you're good. Thank you. I was trying to figure out what I was wanting to do. What these signals meant here. <laughs> Sorry, we're, this is only seven, we're only seven years somewhat in. And it takes us a little bit to, to figure it out. Hey, it's great to have everybody here in studio with us. We have some big news that uh, we haven't really had a chance to talk to Juan about um, because you haven't been here, Juan. But or you know you have been, but the timing has been off. But you know, you you and your wife welcomed a new baby. Into, yes, congratulations into this world. Would you like to give the update on on name, how Mama's doing, everything else? Indeed, she was born about two weeks ago. Her name is Avila Stella Maris Posada. Posada. Yes, yes. And mom is doing really good. Birth was under 15 minutes. That was a time to break, and she did, she did break it. So where to go? Just keeps keeps on getting better. And this delighted that to have. pretty awesome. 15 minutes. It's like <laughs> sounds like the way to go. Personally, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She didn't even break a sweat. She makes it look so easy. Nice. It's like when you see a, when you see Michael Jordan just throw touchdowns, and he makes it look so easy. Oh yeah, that's exactly how how it is. You when Sammy so... Sosa is like catching the ball and Mark McGuire is yeah uh, shooting free throws. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay, well, um, Jim, you're also here. It's great to have you. You've kind of been MIA a little bit as well, but we we're having a good whiskey tonight, and so Jim jumped in. He's also uh, worried about his um, identity being stolen, so he's a little stressed out. He, we were asking him why, and he said, "Well, I gave him, I gave them the information." I said, "Oh, well, bold move, sir." <laughs> yeah, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that works out for you. I don't. I, that's not the route I would have taken, but you know, that's you know, if, you know, let, let, let me know how it works for you. Yeah, yeah, maybe it'll work. When I was working in, in Colombia, there was a guy that they called the prince, and after working with them for like six months, I was like, "Why do they call you the prince?" And it's like, do you remember that time where the the king, the prince of Africa, was asking for for people to give their money to. Mm-hmm. He he fell for that and he got all his money stolen. 
That's just a, 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 a man of charity, really. <laughs> Forced charity. He's just a man of charity. Uh, also, last week we kind of hinted at it, or we hinted at there's something that I was going to reveal. Uh, however, it was not official yet, so I waited. But I am uh, officially leaving the Diocese of Tulsa in eastern Oklahoma from the Chancery perspective. Uh, the end of, or yeah, the end of this month in November, and I will be starting a new job for Exodus ninety in their marketing. Department. Oh yeah! So. Hey, I even have my Exodus 90 sweatshirt on. Which I appreciate. Uh, me too. You do too. And you don't have anything. No, I don't. Everyone is repping except for you, brah. Well, what's up with that? We'll, we'll get that changed here pretty soon. But um, yeah, so I'm really excited about that. If you haven't heard of Exodus 90, um, make sure to, you can uh, be involved in the Advent that's coming up. Uh, their Advent program that they have is 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 really great as they walk through scripture and it helps you really prepare for yeah. um you know, for Christmas and really get your prayer life kind of in order for the Exodus 90. The 90 is what they call it internally. Yeah. In fact, um, this morning I was actually reading the um, disciplines for the Advent mm-hmm. Advent program. Um, and I think it's going to be good. Um, like one of the, one of the stuck out of me is like one of the disciplines is specifically to pray for a man in your life who you think might need more freedom. Mm-hmm. Like and it's like yes, that's that's what I like about Exodus ninety is that it's just so, so real. They get it. Yep. Like and it's like yes, this is, these are the kind of habits we need to be forming in our lives. Mm-hmm. It's not just like oh yeah, I gave up so and so or you know it's not you gave you know, up somebody you know like whatever. Yeah, I mean sometimes sometimes I need to give up somebody. <laughs> I don't know, but um, you know it's like no, develop the habit of praying for a specific person for forty you know for like weeks. Yeah, for the whole time. Yeah, great idea. No, I, I really like it. Uh, I really like that idea. They provide uncommon freedom in Jesus Christ for all men. Yeah. Uh, so go check it out, excess90.com, um, and make sure to subscribe uh, to their uh, Advent. And uh, so yeah, so a lot of new things are happening in the Minahan House. A lot of new things happening in the Congratulations, Posada House. By the way, thank you, thank you. I'm Pub- really excited. Publicly. Yeah, I'm. I'm super excited about it. I mean, obviously, you know, David, you and I've. Uh, Exodus has changed our lives. We both love Exodus. Yeah. So like now you get to go work for a company that changed your life. Yeah, which is awesome. What a rare opportunity. Right. With other like men who that experience the same thing. Uh, is our... We did an interview with Jamie. It is up. Jamie Baxter. Yes. Is that public or yes. is that just for the... No, we, I made it. It was too good. Like I just... Yeah, I, it was I just so to... good. Make sure to go, go and listen to that because Jamie was just... I was just so impressed by him. I think... I think... Uh, Call the title uh, a contemplative CEO. Yeah, he's just such an unco- uncommon leader. You know, the fact that he views his job as CEO of Exodus ninety, which is becoming a big like a big organization, a big company, right? That he views his job as a contemplative one. Yeah, it's like yes, give me more of this. This is what uh, this is what we need. And so, if you're running, if you find yourself running, uh. You know, a, a business organization. A, well, a business, ministry. but especially a ministry of any kind, an apostolate. Mm-hmm. And if you're in charge, that's something that, like, I think this is a good example because your job actually is a contemplative one, right? Mm-hmm. Your job is not actually CEO as much as it is, like, uh, you know, you're running a prayer organization yeah. if it's an apostolate, right? So I'm also very um, careful about my wording about. You know, I said like I'm leaving the diocese also from the chancery because I'm not. Uh, I I, st- I still work 
for the diocese. Right. As a Catholic who is obedient to his bishop, mm-hmm. um, we are all called to evangelize and to move the mission of the bishop's vision for the diocese forward. Right. And so uh, while I'm no longer working for them um, full time as an employee, I still work for the diocese, just as you still work for the diocese, as, as Juan and Jim and everybody else here in the diocese. We all. Yeah. I work for Jesus. And he, uh, Jesus, you know, there's an apostle here. And so. Yep. And Jesus, like, talks, you know, to us through him. Yeah. So, anyway, I, I think that that's something really. That's, you know, just before we just carry on, that's a really hard message for a lot of Catholics to, like, internalize who might be really struggling with a bishop who they don't agree with. Right. Um, and I, man, you know what? I really sympathize with, uh, and I can't imagine. That would just be so hard to, like, joyfully live my faith when there are things day-to-day, like, on every Sunday that are kind of, like, that you view as oppressive, okay? Mm-hmm. And, like, let's just be honest. There are some bishops out there who are doing what do seem to be, like, oppressive things, okay? However... um. It is it it is a sinful thing to do to um, like be disrespectful to your bishop. Okay, mm-hmm. so just think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing you need is more time in purgatory because um, of your own something that you have total control over your own attitude um, and the way. How do you speak about him in public? Mm-hmm. Okay, not that you know certain things can't be said in truth and charity. Right, but. But disrespect is right. It's like you know. But is that really is that really what you're doing? Because it's so easy to get carried away in in some things that I know, you know man. you might be passionate about, and rightfully and and praise God that you're passionate about things the, like and the, the liturgy, faith. the liturgy and the faith, right? But and it, it just can be really easy to get carried away in what starts off as constructive criticism mm-hmm. or you know whatever, and then all of a sudden you're venting. Right. Pray for your priests. Pray, pray for your for, bishops. Pray for your bishop. Pray for the Pope. Pray for the Pope. Always. Uh, okay, so what are we drinking tonight? This is very interesting. So uh, this is another edition from the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society. Um, this is a six-year-old, so it's a little bit... This is one of the youngest whiskeys I've seen that they put out. Um, this is called Thunderstorm in a Beehive. Um, so this is a Lowland. It is awesome. Yes, it is a Lowland. Who I said, who is it? Um, oh, gosh. Uh... Also, let me just, like, let me just can, look it up real quick. You can taste the honey notes. Yeah, but it's not overly sweet. No, like it's I've not. never had a non-sweet honey note. Yeah, you're right, Juan. It's very interesting because you do catch the uh, the flavor profile of honey, yet there is like this chaos in the middle of that. Like the honey is bookended by chaos in the middle. <laughs> um, it's really wild. It's a it's a really uh, delicious whiskey, though. Uh, I'm. Uh, very unique. I, I really like it. Uh, you know, it's hard to find super unique whiskeys. You know, that's what I love about the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society, uh, just because everything that they have is unique. Um, the downfall to that is like when you find something that you really like, you can't go get it again. Can't get it again, yeah. Glasgow. This Glasgow. is Glasgow Distillery. Um, so it's a, it's a lowland. It's a 50% alcohol. So a lo- actually a little yeah, bit... It is so good. A little it's bit lower salty. alcohol than a lot of the ones from Scotch Malt Whiskey Society. But just, it's another win. I've never had anything from them that wasn't just delicious. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers to Jesus. Cheers. All right.
Dave and Pamela, Haley and I, Jim and Kathy, and Father Patrick Briscoe, Dominican friar from the Dominican House of Studies, editor of Our Sunday Visitor. We're going to the Holy Land, and we want you to come with us. April 3rd through the 13th, 2024, we're going to be walking in the footsteps of our Lord and His apostles. We're going to celebrate daily Mass and sample some of the best local cuisine and wine. It's going to be a fantastic trip full of prayer, fellowship, mirth, and it's selling out quick. We're taking less than one bus, so it's, it's intimate. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a trip of a lifetime. We want you to come with us. All you have to do is go to selectinternationaltours.com slash Catholic Man Show. Sign up today. It's selling out very quickly, but we want you to join us. Selectinternationaltours.com slash The Catholic Man Show. Welcome back to The Catholic Man Show. I'm Dave Niles here with Adam Minahan. We got Juan Posada on the buttons. Jim Bo Baggins at the door. All is right with the world here on the Catholic Man Show today. Things are in their things, all things in order. Everyone in their place. Feels good. Does feels good. We're drinking a little bit of thunderstorm in a beehive. <laughs> which, if that actually took place, I wouldn't want to be there. No, I'd want to be somewhere else. Yeah. So we've been. Uh, we were going to go to the Holy Land next year. We totally were going to do that. Yes, but because of now uh, we're not the turn of events. Uh, in the world, we we are pivoting. Uh, we're being light on our feet and just pivoting. Yeah, and we're going to go to Poland, which I am so excited we're, about. We're going to Poland, and uh, I'm Polish, and uh, yeah, and Prague. I just, in fact, m- my family and I, we just made our annual batch of Krupnik over the weekend. One oh the, yeah, one of the Polish traditions in our family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we're going to go to Poland and Prague. So we're going to go. Uh, to JP, you know, where JP2 grew up. We're going to go to um, Sister uh, St. Faustina. We're going to go to Maximilian Kolbe. Uh, we're going to go uh, to Prague and see our, you know, Our Lady of Chestakova. Is that how you say it? Chest- I think Chestachova. Chestachova. Uh, but, we're, but we're going to uh, quite a few different places. It'll be epic. And we're going, we're still going with Father Patrick Briscoe. So if you've signed up uh, for, the, for the pilgrimage. It's the same dates. We're not moving the dates. Right. So if you already um, got that time blocked off, great. It's already blocked off. Yep. Uh, if you if you want to make it, uh, you know, if you don't want to come for some reason, if it doesn't work out any longer, let yeah. us know. We can we can rearrange uh, some things for you. So I've I've talked to s- like several different people, probably three different people over the years mm-hmm. about different pilgrimages, mm-hmm. and these I've I've heard from three people. Who have been to a lot of places. You know, they went to World Youth Days growing up. They've mm-hmm. been to Rome, uh, been to the Holy Land. And um, these, I've heard from three different people who said the one place they would go back again would be Poland hmm. because they said it was just amazing as a pilgrimage. And like, Poland is just awesome. Um, it's just vibrantly Catholic. And like, the stuff there is just. Well, and we're gonna go see the like the winged hussars, you right? Know, like I know it's gonna be epic. Uh, and you know, uh, Father Patrick Briscoe, he lived there for a little while, for a short time, so he Sweet. has some pretty good uh, contacts there. I'm gonna we're have gonna to be work able on to my Polish. Do, do a few things that aren't uh, available to it to the public typically, or, or not available in the typical Poland itineraries for for pilgrimages. So it's really gonna be a, a, a pilgrimage like once in a lifetime because uh, with Father Patrick Briscoe and Selector National Tours. Uh, you know, teaming up and helping us put this thing together. Um, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be very, very impactful. 
and we're only bringing a, a handful of people. You know, we're not bringing a like multiple buses. We're bringing yeah. one bus because uh, we want it to be small, intimate. We want it to be impactful spiritually, and also like just to to bring together like good Catholics. Yeah. So one of my one of my favorite Poland stories. JP two, he's the Pope, kind of newly elected, kind of in the midst of fighting communism. Polish currently, you know, it's a communist state at the time. And he's coming back to Poland, you know, for the first time as a pope. And I might be getting some of these details wrong, but the, if I do, those are not the details that matter. Um, and it was, uh, I, I don't remember the feast day. It was a feast day. It doesn't even necessarily matter. There are people who know this story, and they're like, you're an idiot for forgetting what feast day was. And fair enough. But, so, he was making this deal with the communist country, like, all right, the communist leader, I'm going to come, and I'm going to have a visit, you know, d- during this feast day. And they're like... Uh, no, uh, instead of like coming for three days, how about you come for like a week, uh, like the week after the feast day? And John Paul II was like, all right, very good, I'll do that. And so he's like, all right, now I get a, a week-long visit in my native Poland. And he simply moved the feast day to a week later because he's the Pope. He can do that. And he can do that. <laughs> it's like such a power move. Like, <laughs> you know that... All of the communist leadership was like, they just felt like idiots, <laughs> like bigger idiots than me, than forgetting telling this story. Like, they're telling the story like way bigger idiots. <laughs> and it's like, gosh, yeah, it's such a great story. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> I don't know if you forgot. I'm the Pope. Yeah, I can do so. that. So, in honor of uh, Juan and Joan's new baby Avila, and for my deep. Uh, you know, kind of regret or or not regret. Guilt. I think guilt. it was guilt. That was yeah, the word you guilt. used. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, of a couple of episodes ago when I was just talking about how I just didn't like St. Teresa of Avila. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't write, like her writing. Um, I have read more of her and I have come to the conclusion I still don't like her writing. Yeah. Okay. However, uh, her writing style, I should say. Yeah. The content, um, for the most part, a lot of it is good. Mm-hmm. Some of it is. Some of it I do not understand. Some of it is just the interior like, castle. The whole time I was just like waiting for it to be over. <laughs> I read it, which is admittedly not the right attitude to approach a spiritual classic. Right. <laughs> just like just trying to get trying through to, it. Just trying, trying to really grind through trying, this. Just trying to plow through, yeah. <laughs> so I can say to my friends, "I, I read, read it." This. You know, I'm not looking to pull out any nuggets of wisdom. I, I or... There's a problem here, but I didn't start that way. But like by the time we got halfway, and it was like, look, uh, look, Teresa, girl, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but it's like maybe if I just keep reading, I'll figure it out. Yeah, and I didn't. Well, I do like so I, I uh, in her uh, book Ways of Perfection, she's writing and she's uh, writing about like how she started a monastery, like why she did it, like her rules. Uh, she's ta- talking about like beginning in prayer, like what prayer life is, meditation, contemplation. Then she talks about the Our Father and kind of goes through it, you know, the whole story that yeah. people have heard before, how... It takes her forever to pray through the Our Father. Our Father, yeah. yeah. It took her hours to get through just the first two words of Our Father. It's like, all right, do not let uh, Mother Teresa have, you know, don't let Mother lead the rosary. Right. Okay? <laughs> we will literally be here all day. Right. Um, <laughs> but I, what I do appreciate about her writing style is that uh, it is very... Uh, layman esque, you know, it's like very common person. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not a theologian. It's not a philosopher. It's not somebody who is speaking, 
you know, in the clouds or, or so to speak, right. you know, it, it is like very down to earth, nitty gritty, um, type of writing style. And so through the, the and, ways, of, and to be fair, she even admits the beginning of the ways of perfection, not the beginning, but in the middle of it. Yeah. She oh, talks, the middle? Yeah, she's okay. like, uh, she does say like, listen guys, I'm not good at writing. I don't know why, you, you know, this is, there are like, other sisters who would be much better at this. Yeah. But you guys asked me to do which it. Which is not true. I mean, like the other, I'm sure there are other holy sisters, but right. like, but you know, she she said like you guys asked me to, so I'm going to do it. So anyway, some one of the things that uh, she talked about, and I thought this was really good, and it kind of bleeds into a lot of different things. When I sent you these notes, you were like, I don't know. So you're, we're going to talk about just everything about yeah, Catholic. That's what I was giving Adam Catholic. a hard time. So oh, there's no topic today. We're, we're just, just talking, talking about everything. It's like oh, before prayer life and everything else. Right. So she talks about though how like the importance of prayer, obviously, is in, in the Christian life, and how you know the the that the, the prayer life is essential to live, to be living a Christian life, right? But that it, prayer life is not the only thing, that it's one side of the coin, and the other side of the coin are three different things that help fuel the prayer life that you can't really separate. And, it, okay. and she talks about fasting, disciplines, and uh, silence. Okay. And how those three things complement and uh, are necessities to, to, the prayer, to a prayer life. And she she goes through like these are why I I started a monastery with strict rules and things like that not to be uh you know just an austere abbess but mm-hmm. but to really cultivate this life of prayer which is ultimately what we're made for yep. right and so but she then she realizes and she recognizes in this that hey well not everybody has like uh is receptive to the grace of prayer um where it becomes either very natural to them or that they progress in prayer life quickly. You know, mm-hmm. some people really like have to grind through uh, the ways of prayer. And I think most of us can relate to this, right? The idea of being able to sit in prayer is very hard. You know, you go and sit or just kneel in adoration for one hour. Don't bring your rosary. Don't bring anything to read. Just kneel there in adoration and look at the Lord and let him look at you. And yeah. tell me how long that, that really it, it, takes. It feels longer, yeah. It feels, feels really long. And so she's aware of this, right? And so she realizes, and this is why she says, like, well, the, the things that help you in this is fasting, uh, disciplines, and silence. Mm-hmm. Because it quiets your appetites, you suppress your, your appetites, and so that way you're able to say no to things and help stay focused in the yeah. prayer. Yeah, the but, fasting and discipline is going to help you. Fasting and disciplines. Fasting is a discipline, but... That's going to help you make good use out of the time that you have, right? You're not going to be as distracted if you've been disciplining your mind, mm-hmm. you've been fasting, learning to quiet your appetites. And then the silence is going to make it, if you're accustomed to that silence, that quiet, where you don't need to be entertained, you don't need to have stimuli all the time, like or mm-hmm. doing anything, right? Mm-hmm. Then that is what's going to make that hour feel more comfortable and like it's it's not going to feel like a slog if you're right. if you're practiced and accustomed to silence because it's a true relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know you're have you know it's not just a I'm trying to have a transactional relationship here it's just I'm just wanting to be with you. Yeah. Exactly. But she says she talks about how the fruit of prayer is this peace, right? This inward peace and an outward peace. You know you you, you see you got you see people uh, out in the street and you realize some people you just recognize in their presence, like you are a peaceful man, like you have an ordered life. You know, there's something about you that I want to learn more 
from you, you mm-hmm. know, whatever you're doing, right? She says, like, this is a fruit of prayer. But she says, however, spiritual warfare is a favor from the Lord. She says that she's very suspicious right. of prayer of those who live in peace without struggle, and that the peace of Christ offers and it uh, th- that it's that is offered is necessary for unceasing prayer, and it comes through complete re- remaking of those who pray in their relationships with others, in the attitude towards possessions, and their attitude towards their self, meaning love, detachment, and humility, or faith, hope, and love. So uh, on the other side of the break, we're going to talk about like, well, how do we actually cultivate this life of prayer according to St. Teresa of Avila? We're on the Lord's team. Winning side. The Razor Glass. Welcome to the Battles in Autumn. The Battles in Autumn is a new spiritual exercise produced by Exodus 90 that will show you how to lead others in the faith. What we do is we open up the book of 1 Maccabees, which narrates the story of the Jewish uprising. God is calling each one of us to lead other men to him and awaken the battle raging within and around us. Our reflection will unpack how we can lead other men and be active in battle and support one another in this fight. But the most iconic spiritual exercise from Exodus, which is Exodus 90, is a 90-day journey through the book of Exodus. We will start Exodus 90 on January 1st, 2024. That's January 1st, 2024. So go to exodus90.com to find out more. That's exodus90.com to find out more information and to participate in the spiritual exercise of Exodus 90. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. Talking a little bit about uh, the prayer life. Sometimes it is a difficult way, like, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult task, you know, to, to, to grow in your prayer life. And St. Teresa of Avila recognizes this, and so she says, uh, okay, I get that it's it's sometimes hard. In fact, sometimes you, uh, there are people who desire to, to enter into a level of contemplation, but they just don't, they just cannot do it. And so she offers a few things in which uh, you can do that even if you are not, uh, you don't feel like you're growing in your prayer life, she offers way, things that you should do that would build up virtue to help support the way of prayer, the way of perfection. Okay. So she says, um, let me see here, I want to make sure I pull it up. Yeah, so she says, I shall mention some things that are necessary for those who seek to follow the way of prayer, so necessary that even if these persons are not very contemplative, they can be far, uh, they can be far advanced in the service of the Lord if they possess these things. So even if, the, even if you're struggling to grow in your prayer life or you feel like you're, there's stumbling blocks and there's just like things you're just like cannot grow in your prayer life, she says, okay, so be it. Here are some other things that you should be doing to help move the kingdom of God forward that will also support your contemplative life. Mm-hmm. Okay. To where when the grace, when the Lord wants to give you the grace for you to make substantial growth in your prayer life, you will be ready to receive it. Mm-hmm. Which I think is very important, right? Because the Lord is so kind and merciful and loving and patient to where he knows when you are going to be ready and willing to receive a grace to bring you closer to him. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is, this is very, like, we understand this even as a dad, right? Uh, like there are some things that I would love to give my sons right now, but they are not mature they're, enough they're not ready, ready for, for them. Yeah. Right. Like I would love to take my, my son, Leo, and buy him a motorcycle. I was going to say, like, gosh, like, like Leo's birthday party was yesterday, and his he, birthday list was... was epic. He wanted a side-by-side, a fast motorcycle, a 300 blackout. A suitcase. And a suitcase. And he did actually get the suitcase. Right. Because he was ready for the suitcase. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, you know, as a father, we understand this, right? And this, it's the same thing with the spiritual life, right? The, uh, our Father in Heaven desires all these things for us, these goods for us. But we have to prepare our, ourselves to be right. able to receive. Yeah, yeah, them. yeah, yeah. And be disordered if he would if he were to give us some of the things that we ask for because maybe we think we're ready, but he knows that we're not, and it, it would be it would actually be harmful in many cases right. for us to for us to receive whatever it is because we may receive it with pride. We may receive right. you know the, it would, we could receive it exactly. I mean, worthily. If you, you gave know, if like, you gave your four year old son um, an AR fifteen. That would not be a good idea. That would be harmful. Right. In so many ways. To him and others. Mm-hmm. Almost assuredly. Yes. Now, the things that she says are not mind-blowing, right? They're not something that's like, oh, I never thought about doing this. Yeah. You know? However, I like some of the things she she caveats or she gives, she kind of like breaks down a little bit more, and I think okay. they're, they're good, a good conversation here. So... She says the first thing is obviously love one another. You know, um, that's like, and to build virtuous friendships. Okay. Yeah. Um, she says uh, that virtue inspires love. Indeed, it does. So, like, as you grow in, in virtue and grow with others in virtue, it, it cultivates this love. It builds out, the, you know, it births this love, um, which. Will help you prepare whenever uh, I, you. I mean, only the virtuous man is really capable of true love. <clears throat> anyway, right, because it, he understands that it's actually self-sacrificial love. It's not something for him. Right. But uh, but yeah. So um, I really love what she says though. Here she said because she says, well, be concerned about the excess of because she says she so uh, the ways of perfection, right? So she's she's talking about like here's a way to build things up. Now, as you're building things up, like in your spiritual life, be prepared as you build build these things up. There are things that are going to get in the way. There are things that are going to be stumbling blocks or stumbling blocks or speed bumps, you know, and mm-hmm. these are things that you feel like, oh, these are still good things. However, be be aware that they're not necessarily they can be used. The devil can use them to to distract you. So she she talks about actually uh once you start developing these relationships and, and friendships with other people to be aware and be concerned about an excess of love of somebody Mm. And also a defect of love, like a, 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 a lack of love of certain people. So she's talking about like how in her monastery, she only has 13 nuns in her monastery. And she oh, says, really? I didn't know it was that small. Yeah. And she says, I, intentionally, no more than that. Really? She would not allow any more. And it's because like she wanted uh, to, to be able to, to be a true community. Okay. And her goal was basically like, she didn't say it this way, but it seemed like, that she desired, like, that no, there's no clicks. There's no like, oh, this group of, of nuns and that group of nuns. You cannot you cannot avoid anybody? There's only thirteen of you. You know, like, yeah, right. Um, but she she says like sometimes 
um, that we fall like you, you fall in love with somebody in a friendship way, right? In a you know you know in just a love of a friendship, uh, so much so that you forget that the friendship should be only pointing you towards God. Like that is that is the end of friendship, right? It's to prepare you to grow closer to our Lord, right? Mm-hmm. The, the the friendships that we have in this life prepare us for the friendship that we will have with our Lord in heaven forever, right? You know, uh, C.S. Lewis, he talks about, like, an excess of love. Um, I think it was in The Great Divorce, where people are, like, coming up, they're like, oh, like, catching a ride up to heaven. Mm-hmm. They're, like, this landing spot of heaven to see if they want to stay. And just, like, most people get there, and they have all these excuses about why they want to go back to hell, which is, like, this mm-hmm. terribly annoying city that just keeps getting bigger and bigger because everyone keeps moving further away from each other. And one of the, the one of the women is uh, uh, she talks about, oh, well, my son, you know, like, and this, she has this, you know, a disordered love, you could call it, towards her son, and it's Mm -hmm. keeping her from Christ. Uh, Well, I mean, Christ says this in the Gospels, right? And I think he also mentions kind of the same thing in Mere Christianity. I think he, he uses, in The Great Divorce, he uses, there's a character who kind of embodies this um, but I, as I recall, I actually think he talks about it in the in Mere Christianity as well. About if you're a big C.S. Lewis fan, you should go check out the podcast uh, Pints with Jack with our friend David Bates. Totally, totally. Those guys, yeah, excellent. Do that. Excellent. Yeah, but so, uh, but uh, she says like, okay, so be be aware of ex- excess love of somebody because little by little that love will take you away uh, from the strength of your will to totally be occupied by the, the will mm-hmm. of the Lord. It's, it becomes an idol, right? It, and it blinds you. Yeah. And then she also says, like, be prepared for, the, like, the defects of, of certain people, mm-hmm. like, and, and the lack of love that you have for somebody. Because she says, where there is love, annoyances from one another are suffered easily. Yeah. And these are things, like, we should really think about, right? Like, with our wife, with our, our you know, with our spouse, with our best friends, uh, you know, those who, whom we, you know, our, our parents, our, our siblings, like, those whom we love the most, like, a lot of times those who you love the most... They're the little things about them uh, annoy you the most. Sure. Oh yeah. Well, you because you spend the most time with them, right? And you know, a good. I think a great example that I'm just always I think about her a lot is the woman in the Old Testament who um, she's a Jew and the, you know they're being oppressed. There's a king who's like demanding you burn incense to him, and this mother is counseling her sons go and like go and die, you know, mm-hmm. like let's. Let's you know, like, do not give in on your faith. The, in the Maccabees? Uh, well, I was gonna say, is it Maccabees? That's kind of what yeah. I was gonna say, but mm-hmm. I didn't want to say that if that wasn't right. Yeah, uh, yeah, in Maccabees, and you know, of course, they all die, and mm-hmm. and then she dies last, and like that is. It sounds. I mean, it's a tragic story, but this is perfect love because she, her love for her children is ordering her children towards the greatest love, right? right? Um, and keeping all things in order. And even though it was a tragedy on earth, in the grand scheme of things, this is like, you know, uh, first of all, even just here in this world now, she's already immortalized as, you know, this great woman, right? right? Uh, But in heaven, it's like, if you think she's great now, the way we remember her, in heaven, she's going to be like, awesome, you know? And it's it's not going to be a tragedy what happened to her. It's going to be a glory, Right. right? I mean, because yeah. martyrdom is a glory. It's sure. a, and it's a grace. Yeah. 
Uh, absolutely. So she she talks about how okay. So with the excess and defects of love, like you know, deficiencies of love mm-hmm. on both sides, she says be be prepared because uh, an excess of love of somebody is actually like enslavement. Because totally. it, because it's something that you're now relying on. It, it's a self sufficient, like self interested love. It's like oh, I love this. You think oh no, I love you because you know I I care about you and I'm, I'm just so you know I, I want the best for you. But really, what it is is that this. Uh, I have this need. It's like an addiction. It's an addiction. Yeah. Right. I love you for my sake. Right. And uh, she says for the deficiencies, she she says be prepared, be be aware that uh, a lack of counsel from that from that person, like being able to have that good friendship with somebody to be able to say like, oh, well, maybe I I don't really actually agree with Tom all that much, but I love him and he's a good friend of mine. I should probably go ask him maybe for counsel on whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And like if you if you don't open yourself up to to being able to receive counsel from your friends, uh, because you, you you lack this love for them, right? Uh, that how many errors have happened in this world because of a lack mm-hmm. of, of of counsel. With that, there also needs to you need, I think it needs to be said that there needs to be prudence alongside this because this is not the kind of relationship that we're seeking with all people, right? You don't seek this kind of honest counsel relationship with everybody. That's right. Um, but there, there, and you know who they are, like the people in your life who are um, able to guide you and give you good counsel. Other Catholics, right, who take their faith seriously, who are in your inner circle. These are the people that you need to make sure. Because you know, there's like one, there's like one group person in your group of friends. Maybe you don't like as much, okay? But you gotta, you know, you gotta love them anyway. That's right. All right, we're gonna get back again into detachment and humility. Are the other two on the other side of this break? We'll be right back. Do you feel like God is calling you to go on a pilgrimage? Well, for the last 34 years, Select International Tours has been leading pilgrimages to holy sites all over the world. And you want when you go on pilgrimages, Dave, you want to make sure you have the great, the best hotels. You're touring with the best guides, and every detail has been addressed. And that's exactly what you're getting with Select International Tours. So, for more information, go to their brand new website, selectinternationaltours.com. They have been a sponsor of the Catholic Man Show for a long time now. Even during the COVID pandemic, they were still sponsoring our show. A lot of other tour companies were really shutting down. These guys were consistent. So go to selectinternationaltours.com to find out more information about all the great pilgrimages they offer all over the world. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles, here with Adam Minahan. We're talking about Adam's favorite saint to read. St. Therese. St. Teresa of Avila. St. Teresa of Avila. Also, Jim reported this whiskey as a 4.87. On the yummy scale. On the yummy scale. Out of five. It's 4.87 out of five. Mm-hmm. If, just as if, if you don't remember, the yummy scale has, has evolved. It's evolved several times. We've gone, you know, just like a good piece of software, you know, um, I think at first... There's updates. I think at first it was out of four. And then I think it was out of ten. And then we realized that was too much, and so now it's out of five. So it's 4.87 out of five, and Jim has decided, he's told us, locking it in. We're at, locking at, it in. He's, you know, he's done some experimenting now with mm-hmm. the official yummy scale. Five is where it is. That's where it belongs. Mm-hmm. Um, so there we go. So you can, you can do it on one hand. So like 
4.87 would be like, oh, just like cock the thumb in a little bit. You know, it's not quite all the way out. You but see what I'm saying? But it's close. We're working on the visuals still of the yummy scale. <laughs> yummy scale visuals. We have. I don't know. Maybe unofficial. Don't, That's we don't unofficial. Have, we, don't, but, we don't have to even do that. You know, we'll just see where it goes, Adam. Yeah. Don't, don't, you know, let it, let it happen. Let it be organic. That's fair. Okay. So St. Teresa of Avila, she's talking about uh, those who are desiring to, to grow in their uh, prayer life in the ways of perfection and feel like that they are not moving uh, or advancing very much in the contemplative life. She's giving us things to do as kind of action items, like almost in the active life, in order to uh, help and support, uh, you know, your prayer life. Your prayer life. Yeah. So that you know, first thing she said is, and level. even if you're not, because you know, you mentioned earlier, oh well, if you're struggling in your prayer life, these are things to work on. Yeah. Even if you're not struggling in your prayer these life, these are still things you have to do. This will still help your prayer life. You know, mm-hmm. like. Yeah, so she talks about loving one another and and like the importance of doing that, but importance of doing that in a well ordered way yeah, and not having love, an, yeah. yeah and not having excess or, or deficiencies in that. And then she talks about detachments and all creative things, which we did a whole episode on this not too long ago. So we won't spend too much time on this, but so you can this go is to, a big one though, I think. Yeah, but you can go to thecatholicmansion.com and and go back and look at uh, our episode on detachment because this flows out of she talks about love here, I think, on purpose because. And, and, you know, not loving someone too much. And then she talks about detachment, which is also kind of part of that, you know, like not loving someone too much or having, just having a right order behind um, our relationships. Yeah, she actually says detachment has as its purpose the gift of self to the Lord. Mm. You know, since we've just been talking about C.S. Lewis, um, in The Magician's Nephew... Uh, this is Narnia being created, mm-hmm. okay? Okay. And all of the animals, he, uh, Aslan starts singing, and the animals come forth out of his song. It's just beautiful. It's a beautiful analogy. And then the fir- what he says to the animals is that he says, animals, I give you yourselves. Hmm. That is his first gift, is themselves. You know, he's giving them personhood. Yeah. Um, and it's just such a beautiful, like, uh, it's totally worth reading. It's, it's not my favorite one. I don't know. It might be. It's up there, my favorite one. Uh, but it's just such. A, it reminds me of this here. And I just want to tell one more other story about detachment. Okay. Um. One time I was driving, and I was just on my way home from work. Just, just you know, nothing crazy. At a red light, turning left, coming under an underpass. You know, and as you're coming around the corner, like the car in front of me had stopped short, and so. I, you know, hit my brakes real fast. If I hadn't, if I had just plowed right into the guy, I'd have been fine. It was going like 10 miles an hour, right? But it scared me. Mm-hmm. And it made me, like, think. You know, it's not like my life flashed before my eyes. That's way too dramatic. Mm-hmm. But I had the thought of, like, gosh, what if I had died? You know, uh, and it all kind of happened in that moment. You know, how mm-hmm. things can happen mm-hmm. very quickly. And it's like, well, gosh, you know, I'd be leaving my kids without a father. And that was like a very, like, it kind of like got me all like shooken up just because of that thought. It wasn't even because of like the fact that I had to stop quickly. It was the thought and, you know, got me shaken up. And like, I was thinking about it. And the more I thought about it, I realized like, you know what? Like, am I, I'm not even really their father. Like, do I think that God is not going to take care of my children. If, if, like, if I die, 
You th- do I really think, do I not have enough trust in him that he's not going to take care of my children? Am I, like, I'm a stand-in for him. They're his kids, okay? And he's going to take care of them. I, it's my, like, the way he takes care of them right now is through me, okay? Like, I am the, like, primary way right. he takes care of my children, his children, and children that, are, that are mine. Children deserve to have a father. Yes, and they do deserve to have a father. But it just made me, like, it just was a self-reflective moment for me about whose children are these? Um, you know, should I be clinging on to them like this? Because, like, what if it was his will? For me sure. to be called home, you know, right. like, and now I would find myself resisting his will because I'm attached to what I, I use this as an example because, like, oh, your children, if you should be attached to anything, it should be your wife and kids, right? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I think it's a good analogy, good example here about like, no, like, let's be ordered towards God's will in all things, mm-hmm. love the things that he's given us and serve them and do like live your vocation well and on purpose, yeah, and with meaning, but. Um, first of all, don't lose faith and keep all things ordered because um, God will take... I mean, it's like, obviously, he's going to take care of my kids. Right. Yeah, and actually, she talks about this being actually... A, she calls it holy freedom. This provides you with holy yeah, freedom. Yeah. Uh, because if you're attached to things of this earth or things of this, uh, you know, that that has been created, uh, it's this whole paradox of, right, you know, you, 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 you're not... Uh, attached to it, you actually have more attachment to, to our Lord, right? You know, it's a, a it, it's these like, uh, whole, oh, what is it? If you uh, give up your freedom, you actually have more of it. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, you know, kind of thing. God loves paradoxes, right? Um, and so anyway, she says this, uh, this holy freedom that when you're not attached to things disorderly, which she, she, you know, makes sure to say, hey, we're not Jansons here. We're like, we, we, we don't think that matter is evil like things that are created are evil right everything that is created here on this earth is is created by god and so like you know the things that he creates is good uh but they should be used for their goodness right mm-hmm. right. um and ordered properly and this allows you to be present and turn back to our lord at all times right, right. yeah um, yeah detachment is really attachment to our lord to our lord right yeah uh, and, and because you're so attached to him you have no room for anything else. Because we're made, the thing is, is like we're made to be attached to him. We're made to uh, have him. Right. Right. And so like we cannot fill things of this earth that are finite with an infinite desire that we have as created creatures, as creatures. Yeah. And, you know, I think it might sound a little cliche to be like, oh, we're not detached from things. We're attached to Christ. Um, it's like... I, that does, it sounds like, oh yeah, whatever, put that on a poster or something, you know, like in some like fourth grade Catholic school room. Mm-hmm. But I think it is important to recognize this because otherwise, if we're focusing on detaching, this is where, and I think like the faith gets the accusation from non believers as being like a no, no, no. You know, you can't do this, you can't have that, you can't do, you right. know, like, and if you're, if the detachment is the thing mm-hmm. that we're focusing on, then it's going to look like that. Right. Okay. But, and we do have to focus on detaching sometimes so that we can attach to, to Christ. Mm. But really, the attachment to Christ is the focus, and that's the thing. That, that's the fulfillment of all desire. Right. Um, and then she goes into humi- excuse me, she goes into humility, which she says is in, an inseparable sister to, of detachment. She says humility is an inseparable uh, sister of detachment. 
He says, the two virtues were much loved by Christ, and they take away all fear except of displeasing him. So she's saying that detachment is a virtue? Yes. A, mm-hmm. a standalone virtue? Is that a what? Like a standalone. Standalone. Like, you mean as opposed to a sub-virtue? Is that yeah. what you mean? Yeah, kind of like... Uh, no, I think it's a sub-virtue. Well, everything is a sub-virtue. Everything yeah. is a sub-virtue of charity and justice. You know, yeah. so... But it, but she says that, that, that these two virtues of detachment and humility... But I think it would be a sub-virtue of temperance. That's, what, that's where I would... Of detachment? Detachment, to me, would be a sub-virtue of temperance. Um, mm, I'd have to think about that. Having a healthy amount of everything. Yeah. Uh, but she says that these two virtues of detachment and humility will, you know, escape you from Egypt and help you find the manna. Nice. Which good analogy. Yeah, which is which is really great. Uh and she says all things like she, here's what she says like all things will taste good to you in this. And she uses the example uh of the import and she says actually so you can feast well. Mhm. Like, if you have this healthy detachment of things and you have a rightly ordered understanding of, of who you are and being humble, you know, in your humility, then you can receive the things of this of this world as they truly are and for what they are mm-hmm. uh, and and um, enjoy them properly. Yeah. Now, she uses this whole uh, here, here's where I you know, kind of want to get your take on is that she talks about how, you know, Christ, uh, you know, in his. You know, in his passion and death, he was accused of all these things. Here's Christ, the God man, being accused of all these things in which he did not do. Right? Uh huh. And yet he stood silently. You know, quid veritas. You know, yeah. Pilate is accusing him of all these things. You know, what is truth? You know, and like, oh, like asking him all these different things and he remains silent. And, and she talks about how, like, this. Yeah, and is, especially before the Sanhedrin. Right. Especially before the Sanhedrin. Because he actually talked to Pilate a little bit. Yeah, yeah. but not, but not a whole lot. Not a whole right? lot. Yeah. And, and so, um, and so she, he, she talks about how the, detached from the promises of this world Christ was, and in his humility, he remained silent when he was being accused. In the face of accusation, yeah. And this is like one thing that is incredibly hard as a, you know, as a man or, you know, just as a human, of remaining silent when accused wrongfully of things. Yeah. So we're out of time on Almost the radio. Almost impossible. Yeah, we're out of time on the radio. Go check us out on the CatholicManshow.com, uh, all our podcasts. We're going to continue this conversation. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers to Jesus. Cheers. Yeah, like if, uh, you know, you're at work and then someone, you know, you get accused of, you're the reason why. This paper wasn't turned you know, in like, on time. You know, or... you're on a team and like, oh, well, you know, it's like just people say it's your fault or whatever. Right. Which happens. Oh, yeah, and probably the guy who's making this accusation is probably his fault, right? right? And you know it, which only makes it even worse, even worse right? Because right. if it was like somebody who you knew was like, and they just were mistaken and really thought it was your fault, you know, it's like, you might be able to bear that, right? right? But if it's this guy, this scoundrel on the team, mm-hmm. who he is always late, he's the worst. And the thing is, like, he lies. And then he, he lies, lies and says it was because you, your fault, like... To sit there and say nothing, you're not saying, "Yeah, it was my fault." Mm-hmm. It's almost impossible. I mean, like on a on a human level, you know, this is kind of one of those things without divine the divine grace of like supernatural charity. It's just not going to happen, right? You're going to blow up on the guy, 
And because uh, even like we have this natural sense of justice, we have this natural desire for justice. You know, mm-hmm. like you see it in kids. That's not fair. You're right. Mm-hmm. From our like, mm-hmm. just ingrained. It, it takes a tremendous amount of humility. Mm-hmm. But you know what? If you sit there and say nothing, and then the truth comes out, and you didn't accuse the guy, you didn't right. you didn't stick. How up much for yourself, more do you respect the guy who does like, that? Oh my gosh! Like you, you just look like Mr. Strongman, and that's what it's all about. This is what the whole, whole life is about: is to just really make yourself look good. That's uh, you know, but uh, some people say that. <laughs> but obviously, I'm joking here. But like, but, still, I, like the, but the point I'm making is that the virtue pays off. Virtue, and right. it does. Virtue does pay off, okay? Like, you will be, actually be a better man. People actually will think more of you. You know, it's not why we're doing it. But it, it, is, it is a result. Um, sometimes there's, um, you got to, like, kind of be burned at the stake, so to speak, first. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a big trial. Virtue all, all, always brings a trial, too, often. But in the end, in the end, it's worth It's always worth it. Yeah, because she says, like, true uh, lovers of our Lord, those who are in, you know, uh, in all humility, will have little regard for their own life and honor. Right, so it's so this is a great example of, you know, if you work in a ministry, you work for the church, things like that, you, uh, you do all these things, you work really hard, you try, you, you know, you try to move... The mission, you know, the uh, the evangelization mission of, of of the diocese or your 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 parish or or you know whatever it is, forward and like you know bring all these things to the table, mm-hmm. and uh, someone accuses you of something that you didn't do, or no one thanks you for all the extra hard work you've done, or no one you know you've put in extra effort and you thought like surely everybody can realize and see that I'm doing this, mm-hmm. and then it goes it just crickets, and no one says anything to you or somebody accuses you of something. You have to, it, it really is in humility. You have to step back and say, like, hey, I didn't do it for, to, for the recognition anyway. I did right. this for, for our Lord. Mm-hmm. And that's all that matters. And you know what? Our Lord sees everything. Right. Yeah. And it's hard to remember, but the truth is, if you go unthanked, you will have a greater reward in heaven. Right. Right. And this, I mean, that's something that's really hard you know, to swallow sometimes. Yeah. I mean, this is the it's whole, whole long term payoff. I mean, when you when you pray the litany of humility, right? You're praying all these, you know, for the desire to to not be loved, you know, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. And I'm sitting here praying these things, and I'm like, Lord, just grant me the grace to desire the things in which I'm praying. Yeah, because I I'm I'm praying well, these things, and it doesn't in like the saving grace for praying that because you know, for me, I work in a in a job where my <laughs> reputation. Is very important, right? Like, yeah, no one's going to give you their it, money. It kind if, of like, if yeah, you're a I, gambler, right? I won't, I won't have a job if if I if my reputation is tarnished. It's going to impact like my ability to get new clients and keep the ones I have. I mean, I mean, if you're a rambler or a gambler or you're a long way from home, that's right. I don't think anybody is going to give you their money. No, it's a, it's just it's a, not going to happen. No. Um. So when you pray that like others may be, uh respected more than you or you know mm-hmm. that in all things mm-hmm. you might be you know appreciated last in the world the thing is it's like that i might desire these things it's like not that it will actually happen <laughs> but that, that i might desire it right because actually you know we don't want it to actually happen but we do want to have the desire we're going to be ordered towards humility like 
we, I don't want to be the worst financial advisor in the world. I want to be the best one I can be, right? Um, but I don't want to, des- I don't want the desire of, you know, I don't want, I don't want to win it just for the accolades. Right. I want to be it because for virtue's sake and because it's my vocation and I mm-hmm. want to do my vocation as well as I can. And so me desiring others' success all of a sudden is not a competition because I'm not, I want their success for their sake. I want my success for Christ's sake, you know, like, mm-hmm. so it, it frees you from that competition, even, even when your reputation is so important and on the line. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes, I mean, again, it's really hard to do like, and sometimes you just feel like you've been betrayed or you feel like, you know, like this is just, it's just like, it, it's tough to swallow sometimes. Yeah. Um, but that that's that's when you you really unite your 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 desires to Christ. Like you know these these passions that you have right now. It's like no, okay, this is a great opportunity for me to 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 reflect on you know the passion of Christ and all yeah. He went through. I think it also takes about a hundred times of like or you decide. All right, yep. Next time someone accuses me of whatever, I'm just not. I'm just gonna say. I'm just gonna be like. I'm gonna be so Christ-like. Yeah, and I'm gonna be so silent. I think it takes a hundred times of going like later on, like crap. <laughs> I didn't do. I it. didn't do it that time. <laughs> oh, that was, looking back, it was my moment. Yeah. I totally was like, "No way, Brian! <laughs> you know that you're the go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know I had the cover sheet on that TPS report." <laughs> and it takes a hundred times of like failing at it before you finally have like five seconds of like, "No, don't say it." All right, I'm not gonna say. Because there are times where, and I, then you still say it anyway. Yeah, but you're like, that's exactly but right. Then you had, but you had five seconds, right. okay? And it's like five seconds more than you've ever had. So then, maybe the restraint a, is there a little bit. In another fifty times, maybe you'll actually be able to do it. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, I think it it starts with embracing the the minuscule injustices mm-hmm. and doing those rightly, like something so trivial that it wouldn't even matter if they were right or wrong, right? But the fact that you knew and you didn't say anything, like if you don't do those little trivial things, when that big one comes, you're not gonna have the discipline to do it. Yeah, good. A good example is like, how do you be? How do you react in traffic? You know, if someone cuts you off, or yeah. you know, let those little injustice because it's an injustice, probably. You know, sure. someone pull out in front of you, whatever. Like that's a good small injustice that you can like work on in your life accepting just accept it mm-hmm. yeah so. it's an injustice get over it right you, you still get to heaven no problem it's, it's a lot harder than it is it's but anyway i, I just like, love justice <laughs> <laughs> only when it's not being like like applied to me in certain circumstances right, exactly it's like you know what i was i i thought i was gonna stay silent but brian for your sake i just love justice so much <laughs> i just want justice for you it's a right. gift i'm giving you right so i don't know i, th- I thought those the, those are things that you can maybe take to uh, adoration take it to your prayer life as you know maybe you feel like you're stuck in a rut in spiritual in your spiritual life or you're not really sure like how to move forward because the thing is in the spiritual life there's no stagnant period. No, you're either moving forward or you're, or or you're not, and um, 
so like if that's things that you you feel like you're you're kind of in a rut, maybe you know, let's turn to Saint Saint Teresa of Avila and 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 maybe practice some of the things in which she says would be good to help support the spiritual life. Very good. Very good. <laughs> <laughs>